Would you open your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 33? I'm going to pray. Father, would you give us insight into your word this morning? I just pray that you would uh, be a lamp and a light, just like you promised you would be for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Exodus thirty-three, twelve to 23. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways so that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. When Moses said, I want to see your, your, your glory, I want to see you. And God said, you can't see my face, but I'm going to let my goodness pass in front of you. Goodness is what God looks like. Which is why in Galatians 5.22, when it speaks of the fruit of the Spirit... And if you're visiting, it's, we've been studying this a while, but the fruit of the Spirit, it's a singular, not plural, but yet it goes on to say joy, peace, patience, long-suffering. I believe that the fruit of the Spirit is singular, love, and the rest of it is the description of love. If you go to 1 Corinthians 13, what does it say? Love is patient, love is kind. And you begin to see, oh, that's just what he was saying. So I think that love is the fruit of the Spirit, and these are the expression, the color, the shape. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There's no law. This is just, these, nobody, nobody complains when you're kind and good. And As I was praying this week, and I had some time to kill in the airport yesterday, <laughs> Just realizing that goodness and kindness are two separate expressions here. It's two separate ideas. 
completely, and they're two different words, obviously, but even in the, the original language, that's a totally, they're two different words, two different ideas. And next week, we're going to look at kindness. It's just kindness that leads us to repentance. It is an absolute picture of God, but I think that when you think of what is the color, what is the expression, I think goodness would be the shape of love. When you see your significant other, your child walk, like when Shannon walks in a room, if I see her from behind, I know who she is. Because I can, I, that's the shape of Shannon. It's a very pleasant shape. Sorry, kids. But it's true. I, I recognize her by her shape. And God said, hey, you can't see me because you would die because the perfection and the glory of God, of me, would, would consume you. But you know me. You'll know me. You'll know my shape. Because it's, it's goodness. The goodness of God Kindness is a different idea. In this idea, goodness was his character. Goodness, he talks about here, the laws, the rules, the things that he was going to put in place that we would look at as bad, but they're not bad. They're good. If you've, um, if you've been around a while, you've heard me say this, but I think it bears repeating. Haiti was a nation that in 1791 was, uh, was owned, it was a French colony. And the people were brought there, slaves were brought there from Africa. It was a horrible culture. Uh, it was just, it was, what they were doing to these people was just awful. But at one point, 1791, they did a head count. And the Africans were going, wait a minute, there's like 10 or 20 of us for every one French guy. And we all know French people don't like to fight. So, <laughs> Fre French people? Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> if you're French, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'll try to make it up to you. They do a head count and they overthrow the French oppressors. And now you've got hundreds of thousands of men and women and children who had been slaves, who had been captive for decades, who didn't know how to be free. And it was said that Haiti was the first nation born of former slaves, but that's not true. Israel was. Israel had been slaves for 400 years. And so this people that God led out of captivity, just like he did the Haitians, he led them out of captivity, I believe. He parks Israel in the desert and says, okay, look guys, camp here for a moment because I need to tell you some stuff that maybe you don't know. I need to tell you things of how to live and how to be that are not intuitive to human nature. And let's start with, don't have any other gods before me. In Haiti, they were born out of Africa, like West Africa and Mozambique and different parts of, around the other side of the continent. And they were brought there, bringing their pagan religions with them. And then begin to mix it with Catholicism. Now, if you want to figure out a way to make Easter creepy, <laughs> Haiti does it in spades. I mean, Christ has risen from the dead. So what we're going to do about that is we're going to walk around with really scary skull masks and lots of music and chants and darkness and 
Uh, and if you've been there with me before, you know that especially during the Easter season, you'll be driving down the road in the tap tap and suddenly there's like a, uh, this crowd of people uh, chanting voodoo chants and making creepy Easter stuff because they put another God before him. God would tell the people of Israel, hey, look, don't steal your neighbor's stuff. Haiti's government is one of the most corrupt governments on the planet. The reason they're burning tires in the streets of Haiti is because how else can we be heard? Our government is stealing from us, and your government is not doing a good job of trying to help us. And we're, so the, the only way they know to, to be heard is just to, to, to burn tires and get the attention. But the corruption is systemic because it's not natural for humans to not steal from each other. Hey, and by the way, your neighbor's wife, don't touch her. He tells Israel. He, he's, he spoke of, a, of, of, of sexual uh, morality in a way that was completely contrary to the culture that Israel would have gone into. One of the greatest challenges of a nation like Haiti and many nations around the world is a mom will have four or five children by three or four men, not because she's a loose woman. It's because this guy came along and promised her the world, loved her and left her. And so of the 600 children that are fed every day through Restore Haiti Feeding Program and the Restoration Academy, fully three quarters of them come from homes with one mom who is uh, five or six kids, sometimes seven kids. By the time she's 25, that started 400 years ago for them, or 1791, what is that, 300 years ago? Because they just didn't know. And so what I'm getting at is that what God was saying to Israel wasn't bad. It wasn't, hey, don't do this because I'm a giant buzzkill. In America, we look at that as like, well, it's my country. I'm going to do what I want to. I'm going to live how I want. I'm going to marry who I want. I'm not going to marry who I want. Because we look at that as this list of rules and regulations and policies and procedures. That's not what God called it. He called it his goodness. Because it was his goodness that in this little enclave of Jacmel, Haiti, where we are, where Jesus has come in and where the STD rate has plummeted, where the teen pregnancy rate has plummeted. This Thursday, there's a wedding going on, the wedding of the century of our little thing, because it's a guy named Jean-Marie, who is our, our main leader guy, that when I got there, we met him, it's been almost 10 years ago now, he was 17 years old, young guy. His culture said that Jean-Marie should be, by now, should have impregnated at least three or four women, would not be married, not even thinking of being married, and wouldn't be working. That's the culture. But Jean-Marie, at 28 years old, who looks like the old spice man, like we go to the beach, like, dude, could you just leave your shirt on this time? Because you're killing me over here. Like, he's getting married, has no children outside of marriage. He's, he's marrying pure. He's not because God is a buzzkill, because it's God's goodness. And you think about it, like, why would God tell, if you're a teenager, maybe you don't know this, but in the Bible, God at some point says, hey, to Israel, if you need to go to the bathroom, drop anchor, if you know what I'm saying, go outside of town, dig a hole, and bury it. Now, why would God spend time telling Israel that? Because he knew about cholera. And in cultures like Haiti, they didn't know about cholera. God would tell them, hey, look, when you're going to farm, let the land breathe every seven years. Challenge you for some homework today. Go home and Google map the, the island of Hispaniola and look at Haiti and look at 
Dominican Republic. They're the same island. You can almost see the line going down the middle of the country. And one side is green and lush, and the other side is brown and arid and desert, and it's because they just didn't know. God's goodness is saying to you and I, hey, there are ways that I've designed you that if you live this way, it goes a lot better for you. It's his goodness. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, and one of the expressions of love, the shape of love, is that God is good, and he is good enough to say, don't eat shellfish that hasn't, because they didn't have refrigeration. Like, that wouldn't make any sense to any of the nations around them, unless you've eaten an unrefrigerated oyster. And I'll see you in a couple days <laughs> after some Cipro. They just didn't know, but God was saying, in my goodness, I'm going to give you these, these parameters in which to live. If you want to do some more homework, there's a book called None of These Diseases. It's a completely fascinating read. I've recommended it before, and if you haven't, it's fascinating. And they go through, this guy shows the diseases that the culture of the Canaanites, the Egyptians, all these diseases that they had that Israel did not have. And they didn't have those diseases because God put parameters in place because they lived better they would survive longer. They would be happier if they lived the way that God's goodness said to live. The end of every day of creation, God would look at what he did that day, and what did he say? It is good. I don't think it was like in like inspector number nine, like what was, what was the fruit of the loom inspector? Do you remember that commercial? I don't think it was like that where he's like stamping, you know, the fruit of the loom past inspection. I think it was more of like, it's good. How many of you, when you take your first drink of coffee in the morning, give you, you know, give one of these, the complete placebo effect, right? Actually, what do I say every morning in the car on the way? I I take a drink of the tea and I say, that was very refreshing. (laughs) I think that that's what God was doing at the end of every day of creation saying, it's good. Wow. That was good. And what does it mean when it was good? It meant there was nothing left to do. It's, it's done. I got it. I'm, there's nothing left that I need to do that I haven't already done on day number two. It's very good. It's good. Young men and women, how many of you have had any experience with Legos in this lifetime? Okay. Now, you know what I'm saying. The real house. Okay. When I was a kid, Legos were like... Uh, like we would get like uh, we could I could build like a pyramid. Do you know what I mean? Like we get uh, like I, like I would just I, there was no th- I just got like a box of things, and then we would just try to make a thing out of it, and it never looked like the thing we wanted. Nowadays, you go to Target, and what like Ethan will just make a beeline for the Legos, the Star Wars section. What's the most elaborate thing you've made, Michael, with your uh, Legos experience? <laughs> you have to narrow that down, right? Have you done a Millennium Falcon? Millennium Falcon? Okay. When you got your Millennium Falcon out of the box, it it looked like a giant pile of, of Legos. When you were done with your Millennium Falcon, how many pieces were left over? None. There was nothing left to do. It was good. It's done. When I repair things <laughs> around the house, 
Have you ever, like my way of trying to repair something is you, I try to put it back the way I found it. So yeah, I got a fuel pump off. And I just, if I, as long as I put it back and every, I don't have any pieces left over, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> and there's always some mystery part going, huh? wonder if that's why it's leaking. <laughs> because it was incomplete. It wasn't good. There was, what I'm saying is that when you're done with that, everything, it was good. It's done. Being good, just simply God's goodness is just his, complete, his, his completeness. It's done. If we live the way that he has commanded us to live, follow the parameters that he has set in place in a culture it's good. It's happier. It's more peaceful. It's more prosperous. Why would he say, for this reason a man will leave his parents and a woman will come together, one man and one woman? Why would he say that? Why can't we do however I want to do it? Again, if you've been in a developing nation, you know that one of the greatest perfect units to raise a child is a masculine and a feminine coming together. It's the perfect unit to raise a child. The masculine, the ability to lift heavy things and to do the hard work. And let me tell you what, you know who works harder than the men in those cultures? The women. I feel like chiropractors, I don't know what they're selling us, but if they'd go to Haiti, like figure out how you do that. When you walk around with a bucket on your head, like that would drive my spine out the bottom of my feet. But somehow these women, but together they make this perfect team to raise a child. Picture of God, a picture of his goodness, a picture of the feminine and the masculine. God, Jehovah, Jireh, the all, the provider, the strength one. El Shaddai, the female. Speaking of all breasted one, the, the, the milk, the nurturing coming together. There's the male and a masculine, even inside of the personality of God, because that's the picture that he created with, with marriage when he said, it's not good for man to be alone, but it's good, very good. When they come together, that's good. It works. His goodness works. Now, you're probably thinking, that's great, Darren. I got a history lesson. I got to know about Haiti. I didn't want to know about that. Why, why does it even matter? Why does it matter that goodness and kindness aren't the same? And I, I've, I've, as I was thinking about this yesterday and really praying about it, realizing that I, I was seeing things in this that I didn't even realize in my own life, that, wow, this, this, is, this matters to us. Not just in the way that we live and in the way that we choose to live in our lives. It matters in how we encounter the world around us. What did Moses say there in Exodus 33 verse 16? He said that this is what would make them, verse, it would, verse 16, this is we are distinct. It says that this is how everybody around us is living, but we are going to be a distinct people. That's how they will know. Because we're going to be distinct God's goodness would say that we care for the poor and the oppressed and the marginalized. Every culture around them would be like, what? Why would you do that? It's not intuitive. It's not human nature. There's not enough for everybody. So I'm going to hoard some for myself. But God would tell them in their farming techniques, leave the edges of the, of the field. They left money on the table. What they left was something so that someone else could come in and have enough for everybody because it was his goodness and it made them distinct when they went into those cultures and for you and for I when we live in the goodness of God when we care about 
children in a place like Haiti, in a place like Uganda, in a place like Guatemala, Nepal, in a place like America. We're saying to those folks, God loves you so much. He wants to create this little picture, this little glimpse of Eden for you. But we're saying to the culture around them, your God is different than mine. Over Nelson, who passed away this past year, you've heard me tell this story, but it's worth repeating, was a voodoo priest. Four voodoo temples have been shut down now in, in the little, little community we're in. But Over, over the years, would watch us and our little organization as we were feeding his children. He, he had several children, several different women. As we paid for his kids to go to school. As we paid for his kids to get medical care. And seeing, wow, in my culture, we wouldn't do that. I, I, you're taking better care of my kids than I am. And what we're saying is that the goodness of God says that we do that to each other. It's his goodness that would say that we would care for others. And Overe came to Jesus. He shut down his voodoo temple and became a construction manager. He just passed away last year, and I believe he stands before the throne of Christ now and will welcome his own children home someday because he saw the goodness of God in his community. And in our culture, we're not going to win popularity contests. There will always be things in the distinctness of what we do that Satan hates, that he doesn't want to emulate, that he wants to persecute and to marginalize us for. But we can stand up and say, but that's what makes us distinct. That's what makes us stand apart because the goodness of God being exhibited in our fellowship, in our world. I can't control the entire country. I can't even barely control what's going on in my own thing. But, but what we can do is say from our little like, conduit, can our beautiful expression of Christ be the goodness of God to tell a story to the community around us, to say that when they look at us, they see what God looks like. I think it not only helps us in what we're living our life around us, but even in our life among us, in our own hearts. How many of you have prayed for something that you didn't get? God didn't give you what he prayed for. And if everybody didn't raise your hand, then you're all lying and you've, you've missed the other commandment. I had a conversation with a guy this week, one of the young men in Haiti, and he was talking about why God didn't, he'd been praying so hard and he didn't get it and he didn't understand why. And I was able to share with him that the, the, the scriptures tell us that he will withhold no good thing from us. And that means that if you didn't get it, that it wasn't good. And that's okay. No is just as much of an answer as yes is. When you built the Millennium Falcon... Were there moments when you're looking at this little component of a wing, but you didn't realize what it was until you're kind of putting it together, or someone would walk in and look at it like, what in the world is that? Right? Because it wasn't finished yet. You're not finished yet. God might be working on this little component of your life here, and he might be working on this component over there, and it might not look anything like what you thought it was going to look like, and he didn't give you this, and I've been praying so hard, and I didn't get it. But in the long span of your life, when you look back at the way that God looks from over and looking down below, what you see is the reason that you didn't get that was that piece didn't fit. 
He didn't take a piece from the Battlestar Galactica set and plug it into the Millennium Falcon because that's a whole different thing. It wasn't good. And at the end of your life, when you step into eternity, I believe we'll all get to look back and see this masterpiece that was your life, that the artist of the millennia painted this Lego assembly, if you will, called you. And at that moment right now, it might not feel like it's I'm getting what I wanted or that I, I can tell you this in five years of being a pastor, by the way, it's like dog years for every one year of pastor, it's like seven. So we've technically been a pastor for 35 years. There have been many things that I wanted that I didn't get. There's nothing that we needed that I didn't. We had everything we needed, even if it wasn't everything we wanted. And I can look back and say that it was good. It's good. It's always been good. The good times, the what I would call the bad times, they all fit together. And even when I'm over here in my own little will trying to plug in a Battlestar Galactica piece to this, it's God gently will say, no, no, I'm going to do it this way. I worked with a client. We may not be able to record this. We'll go ahead and I'll tell you later. Uh, (laughs) I worked with a client who the record was fantastic. But the first time I saw them live, I was like, how did you guys play that? Because you're terrible. They were awful live. And it was kind of a problem. (laughs) What I learned later was that the producer, they would go in and they'd play the guitar parts that day. They'd go back to the hotel that night or whatever, and the producer would go back in and play the guitar parts. Played the drums. Played the bass. Played the record. (laughs) The whole record. So basically, it was the lead singer and this producer that made a record, and the rest of the guys didn't even really realize it. And I say that because the last piece of this that I think that what affects for us is this. When you look at Israel's life, did they ever get it right? What does it say in uh, chapter 34, verse 20-something-ish? He's talking about, you're a stiff-necked people. God said, if you do this right and you do this, your life's going to be great. And what was it over and over again? They kept blowing it over and over and over again. But God said, I want to read this because it, was, it, it just jumped out at me this morning. And I felt like the Lord was just speaking right to me. When Moses was saying in verse 9, not even 20-something, of chapter 34, he said, And if now I have found favor in your sight, Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it is a stiff-necked people but pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your inheritance. You see, there was one other time when God was going to say it was good. When it was finished, there's nothing left to build. There's no more pieces to put on the Millennium Falcon. There was one more time when I know that he would say that. It was as Jesus hung on the cross and he said, it is finished. And the beauty was that he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you know what that means? The great news is this. No matter how bad I play on this record, that the Holy Spirit is coming in, that the Father, that Jesus, they're all coming together, and they're playing the record for me. 
He was saying, it is good. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you, Sue, and saying, it's good. You're good. Sure, you're going to blow it. I blew it this morning. I'm going to blow it probably on the drive home. And he says, I know you're going to blow it. And the only way to make it so that you would be good was not so that you could get better at it, but so that I could be good for you. And so that it gives you time. And this is the beauty of it. When he speaks of fruit, when you speak of the long time it takes for fruit to grow. How many of you are a little more humble than you were maybe yesterday? Just a tiny, just a tiny bit more. And tomorrow maybe a little bit more. Because you're righteous when Christ looks at you, or God looks at you, he sees Christ. But every day, your outward expression of Christ, you begin to look more and more and more like God here even on this earth. It's just that it takes time. But you know what else takes time? Fruit. We had uh, some amazing mangoes this week. Are you guys familiar? You guys like the mangoes? Kids in Haiti, by the way, one of the greatest skills they have is the ability to chuck a rock and knock a mango out of a tree. Like, spiritual gift style. <laughs> Prophesied of that mango. We sat under a tree and we had mangoes that took 25 years to get there. Maybe you don't know this, but if you drive by Arrington Vineyards, that's been there, what, 10 years now? Did you know that sometimes that vines, that vineyards, that grapes, they can grow up to 150 years? There are vineyards in France and in Australia. That the vines themselves are over 150 years old. Did you know that the best grapes, the flavor that they get best when they're over 20 years old? You can still have some grapes now and they're going to be Okay. But boy, the best is yet to come. And in fruit, I think that's why he uses that metaphor so succinctly for us. Because the goodness of God in you grows slowly and surely. Right now, you're completely okay as far as Christ is concerned. Your debt is paid. You're good. It's finished. You stand before him good. But day after day, week after week, month after week, month after month, year after year... Can you tell I didn't get any sleep last night? <laughs> Not only do you look good to your Father in heaven, but we begin to look good to those around us. And if you blew it today, that's fine. You're, you're saved. You're sanctified. You're, you're, you're fine. You're fine. You're, it's finished. It's good. Stop baiting yourself up. And knowing that patiently over time, as a body of believers together, it would be my prayer that when they look at, like, they go to charity, <laughs> getting their hair done at, what do we call your salon? Yeah, she gave, I, I said it should be the greatest of these is charity, but <laughs> that was her loss. <laughs> but if you've been around charity, she's so smiley and she just loves Jesus and you get around her and she's cutting your hair, like they, you, they just see the goodness of God in you. What if we had a whole bunch of us together that we are all coming to? Maybe in and of ourselves, we're kind of, you know, we're not as good separate, but together when we come together, you get enough of us in one place. 
Like you got the joy thing down and maybe I got the, the giving thing and you got the, the other thing. We, but together we make a pretty good orchard of goodness to the world around us. My prayer for us as a fellowship is that it isn't just money. We've given away an enormous amount of money to build clinics and to build orphanages. And to, but let me tell you what, if we didn't have the goodness of God inside of those, all we have is just a building. If we don't have the goodness of God, all we have here is just a building. There's buildings everywhere. Anybody build a building. Well, not anybody. <laughs> but as a church, us being good to each other, us being good to the world around us, us living, as Moses would say, distinctly different. Moses didn't, they didn't hold up and bury themselves and bury weapons out on the back property. They just went into the world and were distinct. And for us as a family, as I, man, how awesome would that be for us as a family of believers to go into the world and to live distinct? Maybe not popular, but distinct. And what is the distinctness? It's we look like God. Be imitators of Christ, of his goodness. He would tell us in Romans 12, verse 21, that the way that we overcome evil is with what? Overcome evil with, with good. This week, what if we go out and overcome the evil in our world and our community, not by yelling at them, but by being good? And I do want to clarify that when I say being good, I'm not saying there's brand new rules and regulations and policies and procedures. There is a, there's a distinctness where it says to cleave to what is good, to pursue after what is good. There is things that we do, but ultimately, I can't be Jesus. I have to let the power of God through me be him. We need to be, what Paul would say to the Romans, full of goodness. I don't know. Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't it be fun to know that you're in a church that it's okay to not be okay because I'm just surrounded by a bunch of people who are really good? I think it would be. And I feel like he's done that so much already in us. And I hope that we continue that. That they look at us, that we look at each other, and we see that the fruit of the Spirit is goodness, that maybe we can't see the face of God. Maybe they can't. Maybe the people in our community don't see the face of God, but what they see is his shape because they see goodness in us. Let's pray. Father, ask for you to give us insight into that and what that might mean in our lives. Just ask that you would look on, uh, we would look on ourselves and see the same goodness that you see because you see Christ in us. Pray that we might, that I might, Lord, me, that I might get that into my head and into my heart, that you would write your will specifically as it concerns your goodness on my head and on my heart. As a body of believers, Lord, oh, wouldn't it just would be so awesome 
that whatever else they say about conduit in this community, that they would say that, wow, you know what, though? They're good. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Be good to each other. God is good. Next week we'll talk about kindness and the difference between goodness and kindness. But this week just go be good to each other. Be good.